Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 285 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Before we dive right into today's topic, which is all about losing a new stroke, which if you've worked hard to improve, it's something you've basically 100% experienced. I know I have something that's it's really frustrating, and I'm going to tell you a story today about how that happened with one of our recent students, how we overcame it, and what lessons you can learn from it, and how you can improve your practice approach. Uh, but first, two really quick pieces of housekeeping. First of all, I just want to send a shout out to two listeners on iTunes who recently left a rating and review of the podcast, CK Pizza Man. Thank you for your review. And Z White CO, uh, both those users. Uh, thank you so much for your reviews. It really helps me a lot, helps the show get discovered more frequently. So appreciate that. And speaking of which, we just made the podcast available on a brand new podcast platform. It's called Stitcher. Maybe you're familiar with Stitcher.com. They have a podcast app and a directory there at Stitcher.com. And we our, our podcast just got approved there. So if you already happen to listen on Stitcher, that's great. I'd like to offer a free course just this week. If you're listening and you like one of our courses for free, just go to stitcher.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Do a search for Essential Tennis. That'll bring up our show. And if you leave a review and then send me a quick screenshot or just copy and paste your review and send it to ian at essentialtennis.com, I'd be happy to set you up with any of our courses for free. It's up to a $400 value. All right, so let's go ahead and get to today's topic. And we're going to talk about losing a new stroke after working hard to improve it. And I'll give you an example of that, a story, and then what you can learn from that story and how you can improve. And so an example of this may be, and this, this is probably the most common example of this happening and something you've probably experienced yourself, is you go out, take a lesson at, at your local courts or your club, and by the end of your lesson, maybe you're working on extending more on your forehand or more rotation with your body or better use of your kinetic chain or something like that. And at the end of the lesson, you're feeling really good. You're hitting great shots. You're in an awesome rhythm. You're hitting maybe better shots than you've ever hit before, and you leave the court feeling really fantastic about that particular stroke, or maybe fantastic about your game in general. And then, a couple of days later, or maybe even the very next day, you go out, go out play a match, and everything goes completely back to the way you're used to it being. And you've got this this just vivid image in your head of this these incredible shots you were hitting the day before, and all of a sudden, everything just goes back to status quo. And here you thought you had mastered these new and improved strokes. You thought you had secured this new and improved game, when in reality, you just went right back to the way things always are. So let me tell you a quick story. Last week, we, we had a student in town from Atlanta, she was a 3.5 player, and we had just a really amazing first session with her working on her forehand. It was the first stroke that we worked on, and there was just a gigantic change. It was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, 
visual kind of technical difference between where she started, what her, what her stroke production was coming in, and where she was at the end of that first session, which, which, which was a three-hour session between 9 o'clock and noon. <clears throat> so the very first session, we focused completely on her forehand, and the difference between where we started and where we finished was, was night and day. A basic uh, way of describing this is she went from the tail wagging the dog to the dog wagging the tail. She started off completely arm dominant and on many strokes, not using her body at all, like literally zero, just hitting the ball with her arm. And by the time we took a break for lunch, she was leading with her body and hitting position, basically hitting elite level positions with her body. And I'm talking about big fundamental things, not necessarily her entire stroke and stylistic elements and amount of lag and that sort of thing, but she was leading completely with her body. Her arm was completely relaxed at the end of that morning session, and she was hitting really big shots with very, very little effort, and she was just completely blown away, and she was extremely happy about it. She was hitting probably the best forehands she'd ever hit. And the feeling to her was completely effortless. So it was a, a huge dramatic improvement. Of course, all the coaches were you know, super ha- happy about it. She was obviously thrilled about it. And after lunch, we went and worked on her backhand. And we, we left the club. We went and had dinner, dropped her off at the, at the hotel. And then day two, we went out and started rallying slowly back and forth from the service line. And it was obvious right from the get-go that she was trying to execute what she learned the day before. And I know that she said at dinner the the evening before, she was going to go back to her hotel room, do some shadow swings, and really try to kind of ingrain the, the new things that we worked on the day before. But that obviously wasn't just coming out right away during our warm-up. And so everything basically was strongly reverting back to her old habits. Everything was really clunky and jerky. And you could, you could see that she was conscious of that and aware of that. You could see that she was trying hard to, to kind of reclaim all the improvements that she had experienced the day before. And you could tell that she knew the difference between what she was used to doing and what she was trying to do in that moment. But none of that smoothness or efficiency came back from the day before, at least not right away. And so everybody was just kind of quiet. I mean, we're kind of setting stuff up. This is like the very first minute or two on the courts. And all of a sudden, after, I don't know, probably 60, 90 seconds, our first several rallies and, and her trying to to bring back the feeling that she had from the day before, she just kind of cried out, I lost it. And you could t- and you could tell that there was just kind of this panic or dismay on her face and in her voice that here, here she felt like she made just massive improvement, and she did the day before, and now it was all gone. And... The fear, I think, that she had, of course, can't blame her, was that all of that work that she did the day before kind of went out the window, and now she just goes right back to being the same player. So we, we switched. Uh, I started off warming up with her. Kevin took my spot. I took the iPad, and we, we just ran her through a mini review of the day before. We spent three hours the day before, and very, very deliberate highly focused work on day one in that morning session. We must have moved her through 12 or 14 or maybe more 
progressions. And honestly, as the coach, I was, I was leading that session. As the coach, there were, there were times where I was kind of worrying that we were going to hit a roadblock or kind of a hard um, obstacle because it was such a big, big change for her. She was used to being so arm dominant and so tight and tense that there were, there were multiple times where it was like, oh man, she's so close, but I don't know, she might kind of slip back into her old habit. And so we took things very slow, very deliberately, did a ton of video, as, as we always do, and probably used 14 or 15 different stepping stones, which uh, we talked a lot about in episode number 284 of the podcast. And so on day two, when she kind of had her moment of, of panic and she was worried, I, I stepped I stepped right in and said, all right, just just did a quick review, just conceptually. Okay, so what did we what were the what was the big theme yesterday? And she repeated it to me. I had her do a couple of slow shadow swings, then dropped a couple of balls to her, and then we fed some to her, then did a little bit of short courts, and then we just basically went through a 30-minute quick review of what we did the day before. And we probably skipped over at least half of the stepping stones or the progressions. Probably only took us six or seven progressions instead of 14 or 15 to go back to the baseline. And 30 minutes later, she was back on track again, and she was hitting shots that looked really, really good, just as good as the day before. And so slowly she regained it, but not as slow as the day before. And so that's progress. And this is, in, in a nutshell, the process. This is kind of how the body works. And this kind of brings us to our, our main lesson for today, and that is Doing it right once does not make a new habit. Creating new unconscious movements takes time. It takes dedication. It takes repetition. And it takes mindful time and dedication and repetition. Just doing reps doesn't create new habits. You have to be conscious and focused and really um, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Purposeful, that's the word. You have to be very purposeful about those reps or else a new unconscious habit doesn't happen. And so ultimately what we're talking about is reversing years and years, sometimes decades of grooving a poor movement pattern. This reminds me of a a quote that I heard recently. My wife was listening to a, a podcast. She's super, super into food, uh, natural natural food. She, her background is in um, health, and she was an RN and loves uh, doing research and has really gotten heavily into uh, healing illness and improving health through eating good quality food instead of processed stuff and kind of more um, industrialized diet. So anyway, she was listening to a podcast and it was about a, a particular set of symptoms or s- some kind of syndrome or other. I, I, I don't even know what the topic at hand was, but there was a question that came in from somebody who suffered from that particular inst- uh, from that particular illness. And the question was, how, how long should I expect to reverse my symptoms? How long is it going to take if I, if I cut out all the the garbage food I've been eating, and I focus on eating clean, healthy food, how long will it take to reverse my symptoms? And the expert's response was, well, how long did it take you to get to where you are now? (laughs) 
And that that an, that answer, while most definitely not what the the person wanted to hear, just kind of struck me as being profound. Well, listen, if, if you have all these problems, if you have all these health symptoms, and it's taken you years or decades of going down the wrong path to get to where you are now, I think we all have this kind of expectation or hope that there's going to be this magical drill, uh, this magical tip, this magical swing trick, and everything will just be fixed because you get it. And you have that aha moment. You have that stroke epiphany. And all of a sudden, you have a brand new topspin forehand or you have a brand new 100-mile-an-hour serve when you've never hit above 50 miles an hour before. And let me just start off by being clear that if you've been hitting a flat drive backhand for 30 years, I'm not suggesting that it's going to take you 30 years to hit a topspin backhand or to change whatever the technical flaw is in whatever stroke. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you've put a certain amount of repetitions into doing something in an inefficient, unathletic way, and not through any fault of your own. That's just where people start. If you didn't begin with expert guidance and instruction, then you just did whatever came naturally to you. And whatever comes naturally to people is frequently not the most actual natural way to do it. We have bad movement patterns and mechanics, and, and those things get ironed in as unconscious habits. And then the longer we do that, the tougher it is to make those changes. So the, the, the good news is, it won't take as long as it took to get there if your training process and your level of focus are excellent. And so that brings us to our kind of our practical application here. And I've got three different things to be mindful of or three different suggestions to follow if you want to not have it take 30 years. If you've been swinging with a certain, uh, with a waiter tray uh, serve for 30 years, you can, you can make a complete turnaround on your serve within a couple weeks or months if your training process is really effective and if your level of focus and intentionality and purpose behind every rep that you do on the court with your serve is high quality, then you can shortcut that dramatically. But unfortunately, most players don't do that. And they think that once they do it right the first time, then they're they're fixed. And then they go out, play a match, they go right back to what they're comfortable with. Then they go back for another lesson and the coach reminds them of what they worked on, or maybe they work on something else. They're like, oh, yeah, great. That, that's it. That, that, that's what I need to concentrate on. And they go out to a match where they need to make their serve, and they go right back to their old habit again. And it's this crazy seesaw back and forth of improvement and reversion, and improvement and reversion. So practical application step number one is give yourself permission to revert and understand that it will happen. Even if you train every day for a month, your execution on day 14 at the end of day 14 will rarely be the same as the beginning of day 15. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way we're wired. Uh, when, When we put in focused training on making a change, doing something different than our habit, And we take time away and we kind of turn our brain off and turn our body off as far as executing that that new thing. And we go have a meal, we sleep, and we go about our business, and then we come back again 24 hours later. Your knee-jerk reaction, and for sure at first, but it dissipates over time, is to go right back to what you're used to doing before. And that's to be expected. 
so the, that's the first thing I just want to get across because you sh- if, if you expect it, then it won't be so demoralizing. It won't be so frustrating. And keep in mind the, the time frames that I pointed out. We spent three hours with this student on day one getting her to X, X um, position or X outcome with her stroke. And it took about 30 or 45 minutes on day two to get her back to that, that same spot. And if we worked with her every single day for three hours, and that time I'm extremely confident would continue to drop. And maybe every once in a while, if she'd come in and really be over-analytical or overthinking it, or, uh, or there'd be some other kind of trigger, and maybe she'd kind of have a little bit of a setback for a couple of days, but cons- the overall trend would be improvement as long as quality of process and quality of focus is high. So practical thing number one, give yourself permission and be realistic about reversion because it it will happen because it's just how muscle memory works. And I put muscle memory in air quotes. Okay, uh, practical thing number two, understand that match play is the opposite of training. Match play is the opposite of training. In match play, you are optimizing for an outcome. You want the serve to go in the box. You want the forehand to go cross court to avoid the net player. You want the lob to go over the net player's head. Whatever it is, there's a certain outcome on every shot that you're hoping to achieve. And when you optimize for an outcome, your subconscious will automatically grab from whatever habit is there. When you're looking to create a certain kind of result, you will use your subconscious habit. You will not use the new thing because the new thing is still being ingrained. It's still being programmed. And when you work on a new movement, on a new technique, you don't have the connection yet between that new movement and outcome. You can only focus on one thing consciously at a time. So if it's if it's turning first with your body and using your kinetic chain properly, then you lose the ability to be intentional and focused on hitting cross court, for example. Focusing on one thing may kind of naturally lead to another, but you can't consciously focus on both. And, And so if you're going to take a lesson and work on changing your serve, and then the next day go out and play a match, understand that You're not going to be able to use that new serve movement if it's something significant. If it was just a little kind of tip that added a a little cherry on top of what you were already doing, then you may very well see better results. If you're going from a forehand grip to a continental grip on your serve, and even if it feels okay by the end of your lesson on day one, and the next day you go out and play a match, there's no way that continental grip is going to work for you because you haven't yet incorporated the new movement or the new grip or the new habit, whatever it is. It's not a habit yet because that habit takes time to build. And so when you go and put yourself in a position where you need a certain outcome, you'll automatically revert back to your old habits. Or at the very least, you won't have the capacity yet to use the new habit effectively within the context of optimizing for an actual target or results or quality shot that maps to a competitive situation. Um, if you'd like more thoughts on this, by the, way, by the way, podcast number 254 is all about periodization, which is just a fancy word for setting a schedule between working on changes 
and maximizing for performance and competition. And that that whole episode, I, I lay out a schedule that I recommend, just kind of a uh, a sample training schedule for making changes and improvements to your game and kind of going through a period of just focusing on that and training and leading into a competitive season uh, so that you can make improvements and then go out and use those improvements effectively in a, in a match situation instead of seesawing back and forth and back and forth between working on an improvement and then having it disappear in a match. And then the next day working on an improvement and the day after that having it disappear in a match. So uh, you may want to check that out if that topic is of interest to you. Again, that's episode number 254. I didn't write the title down here, but it's, it's something like how to train for a tournament, uh, I believe, is, is that's the ballpark. Uh, title of that episode. And finally, number three, practical application points here is understanding that awareness is critical when it comes to making big changes. If we didn't have video, then A, the huge change that we had with this student on day one would have been absolutely impossible. And eventually this video will definitely come out. We'll definitely publish the, the story of how that change took place on, on day one, how huge of a change she made from beginning to end during that three-hour period. We'll definitely publish that at some point. That would have been impossible without video. I'm 100% convinced of that. Now, when she came back to the court on day two, and she felt like she totally lost her improvements from the, the, prior day, the previous day, Again, awareness, unbelievably critical when it comes to finding her way back to what she was executing the day before. If, it was, if, if our instruction or guidance was simply, oh, you did it yesterday, just remember that feeling when you did this or that, or, oh, remember, we told you to lead with your hips and, and lead with your shoulders and just relax your arm. If we just went back to the little triggers and the little illustrations and, and the drills, it would have been much, much more difficult for this player to find her way right back to the movements that she was making the day before. And so bottom line here is use video, please. It'll make big changes possible in a short period of time, and it will help getting back to those changes much easier when you find yourself straying away from them. So without video, it's very, very difficult to see what part of that change you're not quite getting right. It's easy to feel, it's easy to tell, oh man, I'm really not doing this the way I'm supposed to. That's exactly where our student was during those short court rallies and why she got frustrated, why she yelled out, I lost it. Uh, it's, it's easy to feel, oh man, this is just not the way I'm supposed to be doing it. But seeing exactly which of the elements is off Uh, determining which of the elements is off in the moment without video is very difficult. Even even for a good coach, video makes it super easy to identify what that is. So if big changes are what you're after, awareness is critical, and video is the best way to achieve that. So again, really quickly, our, our practical application, number one, understand that you will revert. Give yourself permission to revert. Understand that it's normal and view it as just kind of part of the process, even if you train every day. Number two, understand that match play is the opposite of training, and you're really optimizing for two completely different things. One is outcome-focused, and the other one is stroke change-focused. We could call that process-focused. And number three, awareness is critical when it comes to making big changes. 
So please use video. Hope that the story was uh, helpful to you. I know you can relate to it, at least to a, a certain degree. Everybody's experienced this, maybe not to the large degree that this student of ours uh, did, but I, I know that it's something that you felt before on the court. And so hopefully the perspective and the insight and the, the guidance and the practical things that we've talked about on this episode really help you avoid that frustration, give you better uh, outlook and perspective and expectation of what it's like to continue working on your game and gives you a more clear roadmap to follow to continue reaching your goals. For more free game improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.